Well, all right, mamas, Julie and I are back again for another co-hosted episode for the new Mom Boss podcast. And for my podcast, The Bean Bag Cafe with Julie Fernandes, which always makes me smile when I say it. Yeah, we thought it was so fun. We had to, we had to do it again. Right. And for those of you listening to Julie's podcast, I am Callista Anderson, and I am the founder of New Mom Boss, and I help pregnant mamas get ready for their baby so they can start motherhood with a smooth transition. And I help them prepare for all the things you wouldn't think you had to do for welcoming your baby. And it is my mission to change the culture and how we prepare for babies. So that's what I do. And Julie is... So I'm an occupational therapist by background, and I've transitioned to mom life coaching. And I help moms to create calm and organized home environments, especially during those early years, which is very uh, topical for what we're going to talk about today, but especially during those sort of early childhood years, which I define zero to seven. And especially if you find yourself without a village or family nearby, I really want to help you feel calm and in control of your emotions that you can raise children in a patient and loving environment which is so needed right we have too many people flying off the handle these days right and so today we wanted to talk about the importance of the ages zero to seven for our children and how we impact this very short it goes by so fast zero to seven Mm -hmm. and how we parent and how we mother during this time really makes a lasting impact. Yeah, I mean, I think zero to seven is special to me because I have a seven-year-old, so we're right on the cusp of that time frame. And also just from what I've read and researched about this time, it's really critical with regards to how we think later in life and how our subconscious forms. So my first exposure to this idea that zero to seven was so critical in how we raise our children came about, I think, when I first read uh, Bruce Lipton's book, The Biology of Belief, right, which I've spoken about before, either on my podcast, I might have mentioned it even last time, but we definitely spoke about it in the workshop that we co-hosted and how critical this is, because it is the time when your child is basically imagine like a video camera and they are just recording everything from as soon as they get out of the womb. I would probably argue, and Calissa, you'd be even better to ask about this. Like this is probably happening pregnant too, you know, when they're just like taking it all in and they're recording everything that we are doing, saying how we appear in the world. Like they speak energy, they don't speak English. We've spoken about this. And zero to seven is when a child is still kind of in that I want to call it la la land, but there's a better, <laughs> a better term. It's like different brain waves that they're in. And that's why they have such like vivacious imaginations and they can really like, they really have that pretend world is very real to them because they've got like one foot in our world as like adults on like, I think we're on like beta brain waves and they're in theta, something like that. But they're also still very much in their imaginary worlds. And so this is when. We have such a big impact on how they talk to themselves, the decisions they're going to make, because their subconscious mind is forming and it's taking all this information in from zero to about seven. Then they kind of like suddenly sort of change and kind of wake up and become more adult-like, I guess. And you have older children, so maybe you can speak to when this transition happened for you, if you noticed it. Well, just from like even a physiological standpoint there's something that happens after seven so 
when, you know, from my nursing background, when you are counting the patient or the person's respirations, like you, we watch their chest rise and fall, right? That's how we count how many breaths per minute for adults. But for children younger than seven, they're belly breathers. So we, the way we count it is we look at their bellies rise and fall. And so it's interesting, right? That the way they breathe is more in the belly and that's how we see it externally. And then after seven, you'll look at their chest to see it go up and down to count their respirations. So there's a lot that happens that I don't even know, right? That changes with human beings at around seven where they're no longer small children. They are, they become older children. And in the brain, a lot of things are changing and definitely the subconscious, like you, you mentioned, it's our, our most formative years is the first seven years. Um, mm. and often we don't even remember a lot of what right. happened under the right. age of seven, right? My kids are nine and 10. And even some things from like two years ago, they don't remember. Right. Like yeah. years ago. Yeah. Before it's seven. Like murky. Right. Yeah. So they, you know, they probably remember how they feel more than the actual memories, physical memories. Right. right. Yeah. It is so interesting. And yeah, the fact that we don't remember kind of, I feel like as adults, when we're making decisions about children, whether it's like policymakers talking about zero to seven and how important or not important that period of time is, or uh, moms deciding whether to go back to work or not. Like I, in the culture that I was kind of working in, it was very much like, well, you know, if you're working now, like they won't remember like whether you're there or not. It's maybe more important to be home when they're teenagers or whatever the case may be. Or, and that was also probably something that I kind of told myself when I was like trying to convince myself that I should be working outside of the home and this is the right choice for my family or whatever. But I think because kids don't have a voice per se, like they can't advocate for themselves in those young years. And then as you grow up, you forget about it. So you think you don't really realize how much is happening and how powerful that, that time is. Like when I realized that probably 99% of how I show up in the world is kind of playing out from those zero to seven years that I can't remember. I really can't remember a lot of my early childhood. It's, so powerful and very scary that oh I react to this or I have a I have a like this triggers me and I don't understand why there probably is a reason I just don't remember you know yeah Um, imagine like all the impressions we got but we don't even remember and I think that's when like hypnosis and other types of therapy can help bring those memories back to the surface but most people don't look at that or don't care to look at it and so much happens. So now that when you become a mom and you have young children, this is the time to really pour into them because right. you are helping shape the rest of their lives. Right. And not to make everybody feel more anxious, right? This is not, that's not our intention that as a mom, now you feel like you have extra pressure to like be everything for your children. It's just more about like understanding the power and responsibility that you have during these years and if it's not you with your children all the time like who are you selecting to be in their space because it doesn't have to be just one person caregivers come in many shapes and sizes and like it's really understanding the energy that they bring as to who's going to care for your baby so I don't want this to come across as like oh you have so there's so much responsibility now and like you get more stressed and anxious if anything that makes it worse 
because if you're anxious and you put that energy into a child, it's going to shape how they show up in the world. And like, as someone who's kind of struggled, like I wouldn't say I've had a clinical anxiety, but I've definitely, I definitely have the tendency to get a little bit anxious, like throughout my whole life. I wouldn't want that for my child if it's, you know, it hasn't been super helpful for me to worry or to lie awake at night, not being able to sleep or, you know, so like, I don't want you to feel more anxious and put that into your kids because I think that does, we're seeing that happen with little kids being more anxious than you expect. Right. And having phobias or fears of things that don't really make sense. And sometimes that could be a projection of mom or dad onto that child. And that's how they're interpreting it. And so they don't know how to express themselves. So then they say they're scared of water or I don't know, snakes or something like but but at an irrational level but no, with no rhyme or reason as to why that is the case yeah and it starts before they're born when you're carrying right. them i know a lot of pregnant mamas right when they find out they're pregnant they start to look at their diet or what they're eating and they want to start eating more healthily and it's the same with your energy and your just your state of being. So if you are more stressed during pregnancy, like stress releases cortisol, the hormone cortisol, and that is not good for the baby. You may not be thinking about it, but it's just like the food you you take in. The hormones in your blood are going to be passed on to baby through the placenta. And so they're already being affected by how you're being, right? And we're talking about this not to add anxiety or stress, like Julie mentioned, but it's just to become more aware of yourself and your being. And that's why this is one piece of what I teach mamas while they're pregnant is to prepare themselves. And the more preparation you have, the more confident you feel and the more capable you feel to welcome your baby before they even arrive. Right. I mean, that's why I love the work that you do, because... We need to change this narrative that preparing for a baby, like we've spoken about, this is not just about the stuff. And it's also not just about what you eat and like even working out or whatever, or it's about what kind of job are you doing? Do you like it? Are you stressed? What is your relationship like with your partner during pregnancy? Because your baby feels all of that. And especially when it's forming, when the baby's nervous system is forming, there's impacts on there that we just don't understand yet. It's super powerful. Like we're just absorbing, we're energy beings and we're just absorbing everything around us. Like we joke about like osmosis, you know, children pick up things through osmosis or whatever. And I think that's a term used for plants and things. We learned that in biology. It's like cells and it's the same. It's the same. I mean, it's literally like that when a baby is, you know, a baby's in utero because the cells are exchanging information all the time. And it's just something that when you know this information, you have the ability to do something about it. When you have awareness about something, you have a reason now to seek out resources, something like what you do, Calista, or with therapy or, you know, some kind of support group or whatever is the right thing for you. Or just being aware of like, how are you speaking to yourself? How are you speaking to other people around you? How, what, what environment are you bringing this baby into? And is it something that you want your child to be exposed to, you know, as much as within your ability to you know control things we don't really have control but there's certain things about how we control our own emotions that we can work on and when you're doing this ahead of time and you're really looking at it it can really have a big impact on this person that you're this baby 
who's going to become a person the rest the rest of their life and all the impact that they will have on everybody else that they come into contact with. So it's really powerful. Yeah, and I think of now that I'm this far out, you know, being a mom to the oldest is 10 now, my second is turning nine in a couple of weeks and then having a two-year-old. It's like so much has happened in 10 years. And I think really the zero to seven is a lot of like, I want to say remodel because we're remodeling our new home, (laughs) but it's like a life redesign because you have to figure out what is best for you and your family. And that's usually not your initial plan. Like once the baby comes, there's a lot of like, do I want to go back to work or how much do I want to work? Do I want to pull back? Do I want a nanny? Do I want to do daycare? There's like so many choices. I know one of my clients, she had a lot of support. She got a doula, she got a nanny, and then we were working together and we still are. But she ended up um, letting her nanny go after a few weeks, two or three weeks, because it isn't what she thought it was going to be. Maybe it was just not the right fit, but she and her husband were both home also at the same time. So it was just a lot of people. I think the nanny was maybe getting in the way of like the bonding and Maybe it was just too soon, but you know, it's trial and error to see what works for you in that time, you know, that particular season of life, because there's the postpartum season. And then there's like fifth trimester, like a lot of women, women go back to work during that time. That first year is just a lot of stuff happening. Right. And it's okay to change your mind. Like, as you said, like learning through trial and error, like I've gone through so many iterations of lifestyle, I guess I would call it. Like I've worked full time, I've worked part time, I've stayed at home for like extended periods of time. I'm working for myself now from home and like just trying to find the right fit for my family and for me. And I mean, I've had nannies. We didn't do daycare because I ended up a nanny seemed like a better fit. And you know, I tried my best with the tools that I had to choose the right people for my children. And there's always like this element of like mom guilt of like you're not doing everything, but it's also not realistic to expect yourself to do everything. So again, like just choosing the right people around your children is very important, but also knowing that like if you're learning this information and you're like, oh my gosh, my child's like five, like I've had these moments. I'm like, oh no, it's too late. I'm done. I've messed them up. You know, like it's never too late. Like there's always things that you can do, but that zero to seven, if you have the opportunity to understand how the brain works before your child is sort of aging out of that time, you have the ability to change things. There was someone that I follow online who I really like, and she does affirmations with her son, I think every night before bed, because I think she's also read this book and she's realizing the power of like, I don't know. I I think she's doing a bit of a science experiment, but like, Hey, it can't hurt. So like every night she's like, she gets him to say like, I love myself and I, I respect myself. I don't know. I'm making it up, but it's something along those lines with the idea that like that's imprinted really deeply in his subconscious. And so as he goes through life, he has a deep appreciation of like just the miracle of who he is as a person. Like, cause we're all just miracles to just be here. We're all unique. And like, it is, it is kind of incredible that we're even sitting here talking, you know, like that we are who we are. Right. But that deep appreciation of self love that I think so many of us are missing and like kind of is not imprinted deeply enough in those early years so that we struggle as we get older. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's normal that you're going to struggle as a teenager and that kind of thing, but I think there's ways to make it a little, a little easier. 
Yeah. And we're always modeling to our kids, even when we don't know, like kids pick up so much just by watching us and they don't tell us this. They're just, they're retaining these memories and they have this picture of what their mom is like or what their dad is like because they are always watching. It's like, we don't notice them, but they're always watching because I know my kids will say something every once in a while. And I'm like, oh my God, like you were paying attention to that or, or like how they reflect to me how I've been, whether that's like a good or a bad thing. Yeah. Then it, it kind of reminds me to yeah check in because they're always paying attention. That's one of the reasons my husband and I were pretty much on the same page on parenting and we hardly fight. Like, we don't really fight. And the kids, like, they just know that about us. And they do have a fear, though. This is interesting because my husband's parents got divorced and my parents are divorced. They have this fear that we're going to get divorced. And so they always wanted to see us kiss. Like, when we kiss them goodnight, like, if we're both kissing them goodnight at the same time, they're like, kiss, you guys, kiss. Or if my husband and I, you know, when he gets home and he kisses me, um, they clap. They're like, yay. Wow. Interesting. They didn't have your experience growing up, but somehow they've like picked up on that. They need that security. Like they want that safety, reassurance. My grandparents on both sides weren't divorced. They were, they married, they were married until, you know, they passed away. And so I didn't have that fear, but I did see my parents fight a lot. And so that's when I did I, I guess I did as a kid have fear of divorce because they were fighting a lot in front of us, which isn't great. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a way to maybe have a disagreement in front of your children. Like, okay, let's talk about this later. And, and then make uh, what I've read about that is if you do, because inevitably things happen, you're not going to be, you're definitely not going to be perfect. And you might, you might get irritated with your spouse or whatever things are stressful. Like I, what I have read that is helpful is to make up like, to say, I'm sorry, like in front of your children. Cause I think that's something people already struggle with is like, you know, apologizing, but it did make me think about how, you know, this zero to seven, I wonder how much impact that has on the types of relationships that children who become adults choose, right. And how this impacts what kind of partner they choose to like marry or, you know, stay with or the friendships that they choose. It has a lot of power in terms of just what they what they see modeled in front of them and then what is buried in their subconscious that's kind of like this is when we talk about when people have have dysfunctional relationships and they seem to go back to the same kind of guy every time right let's just say i think a lot of it is stemming from what they've seen as kids and what they believe they deserve and it's stuff that they don't even understand because it's it's things that they've witnessed as very young children it's just very very impactful and you mentioned making up in front of the kids i think that is very important. But also, if you do have a disagreement, having the disagreement in front of the kids, but not in, in a respectful way where you're just right. talking and you, it's okay to have different opinions on something and you can still talk it out. I mm -hmm. think that's important too, because it shows how to communicate and be respectful. And, and it just shows like you can, you don't have to be like a yes person all the time with your right. partner. Right. I mean, that's not healthy either, right? You need to have boundaries. You need, you need to have self-respect. You don't want to be a pushover and you don't want to show that to your children that this is how you do life. You know, you let someone else like completely bamboozle you or whatever the case may be. It's a delicate balance, but yeah, definitely not having destructive or 
like character defaming fights in front of them, you know, as heated as you might feel in the moment, right? It's, it, I think it has a lasting impact on kids' psyches, you know, and what they expect as they grow up. Mm-hmm. One of the other things I love, it, it helps me with my parenting. And I, I told you this another time when we were talking is that, you know, the early years, I think I heard it like 11 and under, but let's say seven and under, mm-hmm. you're just your child's manager. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you are your child's manager for the right. first, you know, decade or less. And then right. after that, you you just become a consultant. Like they're their own person. And what you tell them is, is like, they can take it or leave it. And you would want them to consult with you. If you build that foundation in the early years, then they'll come to you and actually ask for your advice or run things mm-hmm. by you. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't invest that time during the manager years, then they won't be as close to you in the later years. Right. Yeah. There's this quote that I'm going to totally, I don't know, I'm going to butcher it, I guess, but it's, you know, so we met in a coaching program that Jim Ford and one of our mentors runs, and he talks about this a lot. And he says, he quotes someone famous. I don't know. I can't remember who it is, but it's something like, I'll take a child zero to seven and I will basically own that child. And it's so powerful. That's how people are indoctrinated into like religions and cults and just political organizations. And because they are kind of brainwashed from zero to seven. And we, we are brainwashing our children good and bad all the time. I mean, it's just by living our life and role modeling to them. Um, so it is a natural way that the human species has evolved. Like a child needs to learn how to be part of society, a part of the pack. And so we've developed this mechanism where we basically like photograph everything in our brain. And that's how we know that we, this is how we are supposed to behave. And I wonder if then with children, like on different learning spectrums and things like that, I wonder if that is something that's different for them because they're not necessarily paying attention in the same way than paying attention in different ways. And that comes out in their behavior. But the point being that like that zero to seven is that brainwashing period and you can, you can direct a child for good or for less good, depending on your opinion of it. Right. And it's super, yeah, it's really, really powerful. Yeah. I joke with people that because I homeschool, I want to be the one to brainwash my kids. <laughs> right. 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 You want to be the <laughs> control. controlling. <laughs> yeah. You want to be the, do the brainwashing. Exactly. I know I've thought about that too with school because my kids go to a tr- more traditional school and it's, it's like, again, like, I don't know what those teachers are saying in and out during the day. You know, I just have to hope that we're getting enough brainwashing at home in the way that we do things that they can at least make informed opinions because the goal is obviously not to like own our children, right? You spoke about being a manager mm-hmm. and then being a consultant in those, in those two scenarios, we don't own our kids in, in either of those scenarios, we are here to guide them. But obviously in the early years, we're very much more hands-on. And then as they get older, we really are just here as like the, hopefully as like the wise sage for them to come and consult. But yeah, it really, it's important who we surround our kids with in those, in those early years, as is, as in the older ones too, but in the older years, but especially the beginning, it's like critical. Just to disclose, I told my children because they're, they look up to us, right? They're always asking like, what does that mean? Or what is this? Why is it that way? And I tell them my opinion or what I know about whatever subject. And then I, I say, you know, you guys believe everything I say because I'm your mom. 
But when you get older, I want you to research everything. You don't have to believe me, but I'm telling you because this is what I know or what I think. But please do your own research when you're old enough to do it. You know, if they grow up later in life, they don't agree with me. Like, I don't want them to do it just because I told them to. And right. not just me. I mean, I want them to do with, do that with everybody and right. work forever. If they end up going to, you know, whatever school or, or just even with friends. And so to train them to be more of a leader and a, a critical thinker rather than mm-hmm. a follower. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You want them to be a leader, like not a sheep, I guess. Someone mm-hmm. once told me that. <laughs> do you want them to inspire others and be a leader or be a sheep? And I was like, uh, well, I mean, that's pretty obvious what I, what I want, but I love that. I love that idea that like, you're like, you don't know everything and you're doing the best you can with the information and the knowledge that you have and the experience that you have. And like us being aware that we come with our own bias, we come with our own lens and our own background and our children come with their own version now. And so we are, you know, we're, we're here to just do the best we can with what we have, but they, they could be, they should be open-minded. There are other ways to do things. Yeah, that's something to drum into their subconscious when they're little, like, you know, do your research, ask around, get a second opinion, you know, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are the years for sure. Do you have any advice now that you've passed zero to seven for moms that maybe have older children? Like, because now that critical window, let's say, has closed, do you have any advice of what you would do if there were beliefs or there were things that you felt like you could have done better? when your children were zero to seven or like you didn't know, say you didn't know certain things that now, you know, because we're all on our own journeys of evolution and learning. What would you say to a mom or parents of like how they could impact their kids life going forward? I think just spending a lot of time with them. Someone once said it was like on a, an interview or a podcast that I was listening to is that there's no such thing as quality time. It's just time. Things that you do with your kids that you don't think are special, like maybe preparing dinner or, you know, running errands, like those seem so boring, but that's when they pick things up. It doesn't have to be, you know, on a special family vacation or a a celebration of some sort. All the time that you spend with your kids is the quality time. It just doesn't look like this celebratory special moment you know, for them to absorb it. And yeah, so I would say the more time you spend with them, I mean, that would be my tip. Because if if you want to be that influence on your kids, then you have to pay with time. And my husband and I, you know, say it, we we always say pay now or pay later. So we homeschool. Mm -hmm. Well, I homeschool. He works full time. But I'm able to work part time because my husband's working full time. And so it's a decision we made before we had kids that we were going to homeschool. And it's not always easy. You know, it takes a lot of work, a lot of patience. And we do have help also. So there's investing in help to support our family. And it might be cheaper if we just, you know, they went to traditional school or public school. But I always say, well, pay now or pay later because we have no control when they're not with us. And it's not really about control, but it's just that these early years of found the foundational years, we really wanted to spend as much time as we could with them. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, my mom used to say, like, she said that she always really liked 
picking up her kids us from school, right? Because that time when the kids get in the car and they like that's when they're like primed to talk to you and like open up about their day. And then once they get home, they get distracted and they're like playing with things or they playing with friends or something. And just having that time, that special time, which is like, it's not a, it's nothing prolific, right? Like shuttling your kids around is something we do all the time, but there's something about that, like special space during a mundane activity, like you said, making dinner or just, you know, running errands, going grocery shopping. That is very calming and like creates a safe space for children. Like, you know, obviously, you know, kids have routine and that kind of thing, but it's just, it's, it doesn't have to, yeah, it doesn't have to be anything like super fancy. It's interesting because I do know people like that who want to, it's almost like they want to make memories, but they want to make these like big gesture memories. Like we've got to go to Disney world or we've got to go to Europe or we've, you know, we have to go and like have the best holiday ever to create memories. And like the pressure that you're putting on that kids, little kids, especially the little, the zero to sevens, they don't need that. Like they can, they'll be happy just going to the park and like, kicking a soccer ball or like making a cake or something like it doesn't have to be anything dramatic. And yeah, I think I, I like that. I like that idea of just like spending time. Any time is quality time and mm-hmm. you know, but like choose it, choose it wisely, like choose how you, re- how you react in that time. I think Cho- choose your energy that you bring to your kids during that time. Yeah. Taking note of how you are showing up in the world is how they are going to be influenced by you. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, that show, The Wonder Years, I think they were older than seven, but it's zero to seven is kind of like the wonder years. Like they're full of wonder and that's the strongest influence you're going to have over them. And so I think it's great that we have this episode for my audience who are pregnant and hopefully, you know, that is helpful for them to pay attention more to the zero to seven. It goes by so fast. You don't want to get to like 10 years old and over and think I could have spent more time with them, especially when right. they're teenagers. It's like they don't want to hang out with you anymore. <laughs> right. It's like you don't want to feel like I lost them, you know, like they're now because it's it is normal for them as human, human development to kind of choose their peers once they hit that certain age. Like when they're little like that, mom and dad are going to be their whole world and the primary bonds. But then, you know, once they get to tweens, teenage years, you know, they like, they, they prefer peer groups and that's normal human behavior, you know, so you want them to feel confident. Right. And you want that for them too. So as much as it's, you know, we're probably not going to get there. It's healthy because if they, if they did it through that normal, natural phase in life, it, something might be wrong. (laughs) Right. And if they're able to form like solid attachments and make good decisions, like age appropriate decisions and things, you've done a good job with the foundations to allow your children to go out into the world and like have confidence and feel secure in themselves. And so my husband always says like, if you love something, you let it free. You you can let it free, right? You can, you don't need to hold on to something so tightly. You can just let, let it flow. That starts with you as a parent in those early years, trusting that your children know what they need to do right because they do have an innate intuition and ability of what they need to do and we just have to like let them blossom without stifling them yeah mm-hmm. well i'm All so right. glad we did another episode together and zero to seven is the wonder years i would say it was so fun and if anyone has any questions or any suggestions for episodes maybe something in this episode sparked 
your curiosity, anything that you want us to talk about further, let us know. Make sure that you're sharing the podcast, reviewing both of our podcasts, but just making sure that you're letting other moms out there know that these kind of resources exist because I think it's really important. You don't have to do it alone. You shouldn't do it alone. Mm -mm. Yeah, for sure. All right. I can't wait to, we've got big things planned, so I'm sure we'll be back. (laughs) Take care. Sometimes simple is better. Get yourself a cup of tea or a beverage of your choice and get comfortable at the Beanbag Cafe. We talk about all things motherhood and modern day parenting without losing you in the process. Because after all, you were someone before you became someone's mother. I'm here to honor that. We dive in to all kinds of topics, whether how to prioritize you as a mom, how to choose the most useful items in your baby registry, or how to surround yourself with mom friends that uplift and support you. We have it all. Motherhood can be challenging, so let's do it together. One bedtime routine at a time. Welcome to the Beanbag Cafe. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Beanbag Cafe podcast. I'm your host, Julie Fernandes. If you've been around here for a little bit, you know that I've been doing some episodes with my good friend, Callista Anderson of New Mom Boss. Uh, we have done a few episodes, so you can scroll back and see. Uh, we've spoken about a variety of topics, and today we're talking about the subconscious mind, the formation of it, which is zero to seven years old. You'll hear all about it. We explain it in the episode, and I'm really excited to be back with Callista we always have such amazing conversations and it's really fun to turn on the camera and just record so I hope you guys enjoy this if you have questions make sure to check out the show notes and you can uh, contact each of us or both of us uh, with any questions and podcast suggestions if you have ideas of what you would like us to speak about next so I'll keep quiet so you can get into the nuts and bolts of this episode enjoy and I will see you next week